everybody. Welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior and IJ nephropathy warrior, and I'm dedicated to sharing the stories of those with IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now let's get to it. Well, hi, everyone. My guest today is Abigail Marie, the chef with IBD. She was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2014, halfway through culinary school. Throughout her journey, she's navigated various medications, been hospitalized during severe flares, and even adjusted her career path as chronic illness was consuming her life. Unable to find relief, she began experimenting with diet and eventually found the specific carbohydrate diet. Since then, she's improved her health and discovered a new dream to help others with IBD live better lives through healing and flavorful foods. And she's here today to share her story and passion with us. Thank you so much for joining me today, Abigail, and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So let's go ahead and jump in. You actually have quite the start to your IBD journey. So can you take us back to the beginning and share how and when you were first diagnosed? Yeah, absolutely. So I was diagnosed in 2014. Um, It actually was about two weeks after a head-on collision car accident. Uh, And when the paramedics took me out of the car, I was holding my side and said that my left side hurt really bad. And they initially thought that my spleen had exploded. Um, So they took me to the hospital um, and everything came back fine. I had a broken hand um, and sprained my ankle. And, you know, they got me kind of wrapped up and sent home. And then about two weeks later, that pain in the same spot started again. And I noticed that there was blood in my stool. And obviously, that's a sign of something being wrong. So I, uh, the next day, contacted my primary care physician and had an appointment with them. And they immediately referred me to a gastroenterologist. Um, And so I had that first appointment and we scheduled the colonoscopy that was maybe two weeks later. And uh, after the colonoscopy, I was told I had moderate to severe left-sided ulcerative colitis. Had you ever heard of that before? Was IBD ever on your radar? Does anyone in your family have that? Or was this something completely new to you? This was completely new. I had never heard of it. I had no idea what it was. I had never heard of a chronic illness even. Um, So definitely all very new to me. What did they tell you at that point once they diagnosed you? Did they give you any kind of guidance or start you on medications? So they did start me on misalamine um, oral pills. And I was able to actually take that relatively successfully from 2014 to 2019. But initially, I was just handed a pamphlet and told to continue to live my life how I was living it, just make sure you take your medicine. And that was kind of all that I got. (laughs) Um, I asked, you know, thinking, oh, gastrointestinal, is there something I can do for diet or, you know, things that I should avoid? Like my aunt has diverticulitis and she can't have like popcorn and seeds. And so, you know, I'm thinking there's something she can tell me. And she just said, when you're flaring, maybe just do low fiber. And that was it. That was the only guidance I got there. So me thinking, oh, well, she's the doctor. She went to school for this. I guess there's nothing I can do. Um, And so I kind of went about that way till about 2019. So what happened at that point? Take me through. It sounds like you got a little bit of relief in those first few years with the medications. But what happened in 2019? Did things stop working or take a different turn? Yeah, so I was having a flare. um, And unlike the other flares I had experienced where I kind of just took the prednisone and then towards the end of the prednisone, I would be doing better. 
um, it just was not getting better. Um, and so I made an appointment with my specialist at the time who was a few hours away, uh, and traveled to go see him. And I went into that appointment thinking, I'm just going to go have an appointment and go home. He took one look at me and said, we're admitting you. And so I was then admitted to the Chapel Hill Hospital, which is like two and a half hours away from where I live. Um, and I was there for a week. And basically, they had told me that the mesalamine had stopped working. Um, and their recommendation was to start Remicade. So I then started my first biologic and um, got some of my loading doses in the hospital um, and then was released after that week and uh, took the Remicade every six weeks. Did that help you with relief? Did you finally get into remission with the Remicade? Yeah, I did uh, reach remission with the Remicade. Um, I During the time I was taking Remicade, I kind of started looking to diet for myself, like maybe I could do some research. And so um, then I had found the Plant Paradox by Dr. Gundry. And so I read that and started doing that. And a little bit before that, I had decided gluten and dairy because they're inflammatory. Maybe I should take those out. And so I initially started with that and I did find a little bit of relief, but it was not significant. And then the plant paradox, I started doing that and it was again, better, but still not quite right. <laughs> um, and then in 2020, I found the specific carbohydrate diet and that was still while I was taking the Remicade. Um, and I read the book and I was like, well, I'll, I'll give it a try. It's for Crohn's and colitis. Like, Let's do it. So I um, started that in 2020 and um, yeah, kind of have been on it since. And do you still take the Remicade or have you been able to stop that? Or do you do a combination of watching your diet and using medications? Yeah, so I actually take Rinvog. Um, I was prescribed Rinvog in August of 2022 um, while I was in the hospital, again with a flare. This one, much worse, though, um, definitely the worst one I've experienced. It was uh, three separate hospital admissions um, with 12 hours between the first one and 24 between the second and the third. I had seven blood transfusions. Um, it was really scary. They, um, the, when they came to get me for the third um, hospital admission, the ambulance came and they couldn't get a blood pressure reading. It was so low. My heart rate was in the 200s. Like it, they were panicking. Um, and I was kind of oblivious, dazed and confused. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was definitely really scary. And then, you know, it's then that I kind of realized IBD is so serious. Like I knew it was serious before, but wow, like it can really take your life. <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah. How did they get you out of that flare? Um, so they told me that I was facing steroid failure because I'd been taking 80 milligrams of prednisone and it was not doing anything. And they told me they couldn't give me any more. Uh, and so my, I was in between GIs at the time, but I uh, reached out to one that I wanted to transfer to. And he actually took my case on while I was still in the hospital. And he recommended that we try Renfo. Um, and so I was given the option, you can have a complete colectomy or you can take this Renvogue for two weeks. And then if you don't see improvement in two weeks, we will still do the complete colectomy. 
And so I was definitely nervous to start Rune Vogue because it's so new. And, you know, um, the only other jack inhibitor I knew, which is the category of medication, uh, was uh, Zeljans. And the FDA had to come back out and put more like warning labels on it after it was initially released. So I was kind of concerned. But at the same time, I, my back was kind of up against a wall and it was my last option. So I agreed to take it and it actually ended up working really, really well. Um, so that was what was able to get me out of the hospital and eventually to heal all the ulcers. That's incredible. Do you know, because I don't know, I know, as you said, Runvoke is a newer medication. Do you know when it was approved and how long it's been available as a treatment option? I believe for ulcerative colitis, it was approved in May of 2021. So it really had been out for like, you know, a little over a year um, when I started taking it, uh, which, you know, made me nervous. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's done such a good job. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be here and happy to be doing well. And I definitely owe it to uh, Renvog and to specific carbohydrate diet. Do you know how that medication compares to some of the other ones, some of the older ones on the market, like Humira and Remicade and just the different types of class of medications? You mentioned that was in a completely different class. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I don't know, like 100 um, percent. We'll just say here, neither one of us are doctors here. But. Yeah, kind of in <laughs> layman's terms. Um, so my understanding is that Humira and Rinva, or sorry, Humira and Remicade, um, they're given through infusion or injection pin. And I guess I'm not 100% sure how it works in the body, but I know that they're uh, biologics and so is the Rinvogue. But the JAK inhibitor, I guess, targets a specific system. And I'm sorry, I guess I don't have the best answer. <laughs> no, that's okay. That was that was more than what I knew. So it's it just amazes me how far the treatments have come and how many options that have come out in maybe like the last decade or so for, for patients to have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my GI said if I if that had not been an option, then I more than likely would not have my colon right now. So, you know, I Got it just in time. <laughs> Good. Good timing. <laughs> yeah. If there, if there can be such a thing with this yeah. disease. <laughs> so before we jump into food, take me a little bit through your career path, because I know from reading different things about you online and following your story that you've had to make some pretty big changes because of this disease and not being able to work full time, essentially, because of the fatigue and just the sickness and the exhaustion. So take me through a little bit of that path and, and your mindset at each of those stages when you had to make a critical decision as to how can I shift? What can I do? Yeah. Um, so like you said, I went to culinary school. Like I had always been really interested in food growing up. You know, I would get cookbooks for Christmas and my friends are getting toys or whatever. And, um, you know, I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, and so I went to culinary school. I mean, it was a really great experience. Um, and I kind of just pictured myself working in fine dining, um, becoming an executive chef, maybe entertaining the idea of having my own restaurant. Um, and so that was really was my goal. And so I worked in a few restaurants, worked my way up to being a sous chef. And 
it's a lot of hours. It was like 60 to 70 hours a week. Um, and also like high stress, you know, Saturday night you have 400 covers and your tickets are printing out to the floor. Like you can't read anything. Like you're just making food. (laughs) Um, It's chaos. It is. Honestly, I can't imagine how anyone does it because I watch probably like the rest of America, like the kitchen nightmares and all the different kitchen shows. I'm like, it would be so stressful to be (laughs) a chef, to be in a kitchen like that. So I can only imagine what you were facing at that point. Yeah, definitely a stressful job. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it, but uh, it was just a lot of hours. And my GI at the time was like, well, you know, maybe you should look at making some lifestyle changes. And, you know, I kind of at first I didn't really want to hear it because this is my dream. This is what I went to school for. You know, this is what I've been waiting for. I feel like my whole life. And I kind of just came to the realization that I I can't do it all, you know, so I cut back my hours. Um, and at that point, I cut back to like 40, which is like more normal <laughs> um, and stepped down from being a sous chef. Uh, but it still was a lot and it's still very like a physically taxing job. Uh, and it was just getting to be too much with my flares and um, just fatigue and, you know, joint pain, and it was just getting to be too much. So I decided to uh, switch industries. My minor was in beverage management. Uh, And so I went to work for a local wine shop and became an assistant manager there. Um, I was still doing like 40 hours a week um, and doing my best to manage it. it. I kind of realized, though, that 40 was a little too much. <laughs> um, and then it kind of, we got into COVID. So I was home for like a year, like a lot of other people. <laughs> um, and then I started working at the uh, local hospital here doing food service for patients and for the cafeteria, um, just depending what shift I was working. Uh, and I, I did enjoy that. Um, it was nice, you know, spending so much time in a hospital myself, like, you know, maybe that little dessert or something is the best part of your day, you know, and you get to kind of be a part of that and, and be a part of someone's experience, hopefully in a positive way in a place that isn't always so positive. Um, and so I did enjoy that. And more recently, I just have started a new job at Publix working in the bakery decorating cakes. Oh, that's um, fantastic. Yeah. And my first job when I was 18 was at a bakery and I did wedding cakes and uh, birthday cakes. So I have some experience. Um, so yeah, but it's been good so far. What kind of advice would you give to other IBD patients who might be in a similar position where they're having to face making a career change? Because I've spoken with other people who have had to do that too, where this disease can be so overwhelming. It requires so much of us physically that you do sometimes have to make that choice. So what kind of advice would you give to other people who might be thinking, I need to find something new, even though what I'm doing is what I love? Yeah. um, You know, I was so like set on my dream, I feel like, of being a chef, but that's not the path that life took. And, you know, you'll find another dream. Like now my dream is working on my blog and you know, doing SCD recipes and sharing with the community and sharing my story and advocating and raising awareness. And that's my dream now, you know, you will find something else. I know it's, 
it seems so devastating, but you know, just trust that you're on the right path and that you'll find a new dream. I love that. So talk to me, what are some of the things you've found in your life to help manage stress? I know that stress can be a huge trigger for a lot of us, and you've certainly found yourself in plenty of stressful situations. Are there different skills or lifestyle practices that you've picked up over the years that have really helped you to manage stress and to really balance life? Yeah, definitely. I I keep a gratitude journal. um, And so I do that first thing in the morning and right before I go to bed. um, And it really just kind of helps me get the right mindset for the day. Um, I also do like a daily meditation. um, And it's not long, like it's 10 to 12 minutes. But just having those 10 to 12 minutes to myself in the morning before my day starts um, just has been really helpful for me. And then just practicing like uh, just mindfulness, just trying to be in the moment. You know, chronic illness can be really scary. You don't always know what's around the corner, but you have this moment right now. And so kind of just trying to take yourself out of that worrying about the big picture. Um, And then I also practice like uh, it's called Qigong and it's similar to Tai Chi. Uh, And so it's like mindfulness movement. And I do that a few times a week for 15 or 20 minutes. Um, And that really helps me kind of move stress through my body. Um, Whereas the meditation and the gratitude journal is more for my mind. The, um, you know, the mindfulness movement is more for the body. Uh, And so kind of balancing both of those mind and body. And um, yeah, I think those are the things that have helped me the most. That's great. I love that combination of practices. So let's talk a little bit more about food, because after all, you are the chef with IBD. (laughs) So tell me, take me through a little bit. You started to talk about it when you said you came across the plant paradox and you had read that book. And I think that was kind of the beginning of really digging into food and how it was serving your body overall. So take me through your path of how you found the specific carbohydrate diet and then talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, so in late like 2018, early 2019, I um, started with no gluten and no dairy because just doing some random internet research, I had found that they were inflammatory ingredients. And so obviously ulcerative colitis is inflammation. And so I thought if I can eliminate some inflammation, then that would probably be good, good place to start. Uh, And so I started doing that. And I noticed like a little bit of improvement, but it wasn't major at all. Uh, And but I did find a little bit of improvement. So that was, you know, that made me want to look into food more. Um, And so then I found the plant paradox, actually, my, my dad found it and was like, Hey, read this book, you should read this. And so I read it. And I thought it was really interesting. And it had a lot of scientific evidence. And so I thought, I'll give it a try. And I did that. um, Let's see, through 2019, basically for a year to 2020. And then in 2020, my husband's um, aunt is a nurse, and she had heard about the specific carbohydrate diet. And she knew that it was for people with IBD. And so she suggested it to me. 
And I was like, well, okay, I'll read this book too. And so I read it and um, it just, it really made sense. Like it clicked with me and I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. And, you know, I was like, worst case, I just go back to Plant Paradox. (laughs) Um, So I gave it a try. Um, there's a lot of like beginner recipes in the book, um, and everything. And I made the recipes, but I was underwhelmed. Um, I, you know, I was like, how can I do this diet if this food does not taste that good? (laughs) Now, did you dive in and do as the book prescribes? Like, did you do the the chicken soup for like the two weeks? I think it usually says in the beginning. Or... Yeah, like the introductory. Mm-hmm. I I kind of did like a hodgepodge. <laughs> like I... Were you impatient? <laughs> yeah, I kind of was. Like I, I did a little bit of the introductory for like... I, and I no, no judgment because I tried it myself too and I was impatient. <laughs> yeah, like I, it's hard to do it that long, the introductory. I, I did it for like, I don't know, maybe five days or so. And I was like, okay, I need something else. (laughs) Um, And so then I kind of started in, but I wasn't doing like whole nuts or um, I wasn't doing cheese. Like you can have some cheeses, but for the first six months, I wanted to not do any cheese. Um, So I wasn't doing like things like that. But um, yeah, I tried uh, just a few of the recipes in the back and I was just like not super impressed. (laughs) Now, even though you weren't super impressed, were you starting to notice a difference in your symptoms, even though you were still, I think you were still on medications, not the Rinvoke yet, but other medications? Yeah, yes, I was still on the Remicade uh, at the time. But yeah, I could tell I had less um, like abdominal pain. And so I was like, that's interesting. Let's keep going and see what happens. And then, yeah, it really did help my symptoms. And, you know, I think that's probably one of the reasons I was able to be on the Remicade um, just for so long before I started building up too many antibodies. Um, You know, I think being able to be in remission and give my body nutrients that it needs and everything um, definitely helps. So take me through the next part. You realize you're seeing improvement with it, but the recipes are lackluster. So you're a chef. Tell me what you did next. Yeah, so I kind of was just sitting around thinking like, how can I improve this recipe? How can I make this better? And then I thought, why don't I just make my own recipes? Like, I'm a chef. I know how to do that. Um, And so I kind of just started making recipes for myself. And then I it was COVID and I had a lot of time on my hands and I was home and I thought, let me share these recipes. Like if I am not super impressed with these recipes, there probably are other people. So if I think I can make something that is even a little bit better, like I think it's worth sharing. Um, and so Abigail Marie, the chef with IVD was born and I started my blog and sharing my journey and my recipes and it kind of morphed into also me sharing, um, you know, new research and medications and, and just information about IBD. Um, and yeah, that, that was that. I love it. So talk to me a little bit more about what you're doing with Abigail Marie, the chef with IBD. You have your whole website. You have a, a mission to help others with IBD. Do you have your recipes available to download? Are you selling them? 
Are you going to publish a book? <laughs> yeah. So right now, all my recipes, there's more than there's over 200 of them are all on my website and they're all free. Um, and I eventually would love to make a cookbook, hopefully in the next five years or so. Um, but right now they're all on there. And, um, you know, I, I just, it's kind of my second job. I just do it on my personal time. And, um, I just love having a resource for people and being able to share and advocate and meet so many amazing people along the way. Um, it really has helped me find my community and has been really great for me too. Have you had a lot of people reach out to you and start the SCD diet, the specific carbohydrate diet after finding you and, and finding new recipes? Yeah. I mean, I think people, a lot of people that message me are already on the specific carbohydrate diet. Maybe not, you know, me per se, having them do it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's usually just questions about the recipes or, um, you know, like my personal life or my journey, which I'm always happy to share. And um, you can always send me an email on my contact page and I'll get back to you. Um, but yeah. Now, before you started Abigail Marie, the chef with IBD, had you been sharing your story at all? Or was this kind of the catalyst for advocating in this space and, and starting to share your story? Yeah, it really was the catalyst. I really, I had not um, shared that I even had IBD with very many people, um, you know, like friends and immediate family, but that was kind of it. I mean, you know, let's, let's face it, the IBD symptoms are not cute. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of hadn't been telling anyone really. Um, but, you know, I thought, it is important for me to be able to share my story and to raise awareness and and advocate for people with IBD. And, you know, I was like, there are other people out there with IBD. There have to be, you know. Um, and yeah, like I said, I really had not found my community at all. Um, I knew one other person with IBD <laughs> uh, before I started my blog. And now it's just this whole amazing community that I'm just so happy to be a part of. What do you think has been the most rewarding thing for you, in addition to the community, about sharing your IBD story? Just kind of, I guess, like the freedom that it brings. You know, I don't have to try and hide my symptoms or, you know, hide that I'm chronically ill. And, you know, it's something that is a part of me, but it's, you know, is not something that is controlling me, I guess. Yeah. So we talk about community and how you said you didn't really know anybody else with IBD until you started your own advocacy and sharing your story. What was it like to have the support from your family and friends? Were they kind of your community, your support system at that point? Yeah, definitely like my parents, my husband, um, and then my one friend that I knew in real life that had IBD, like she is very understanding. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was kind of, that was my little corner. But now I feel like it's this whole, this whole world and of people that understand and, you know, care. And it's just, it's amazing. So what is the biggest piece of advice or the biggest message you would like to share with the listeners who have IBD or maybe someone who's listening because they have someone in their life with IBD? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you definitely have to be your own patient advocate. Um, you know, I think 
only being, I think, maybe in the emergency room twice before having IBD. I think I had too much, a little too much faith in the healthcare system, I guess. And then, you know, you kind of find out that not everybody has your best interest at heart and you need to do your own research and no one knows your body better than you. So if something is wrong, you know, even if they are saying, oh, but everything's fine. If you know something's wrong, you have to be your own patient advocate. Um, but secondly, finding your community because that I, you know, has been a big part for me and just having all those people that understand and support you just takes the weight off your shoulders. Um, and so I definitely think that is a big thing and just lifestyle. Like, obviously, I had to kind of reassess and too much stress, too much work, like those things were not beneficial for my health. Um, and so choosing, you know, your health over monetary value. <laughs> and sometimes that can be a hard thing to do in America. <laughs> um, but, you know, just realizing that there's only one of you. Yeah. Speaking of lifestyle, have you found a balance now for how much physical activity you can sustain now that you're in a, a better place, you're more healthy, you've been on the SCD diet for a while, the Rinvoke is helping. Do you have a better idea of how much physical activity your body can take? Yeah. And that's something, you know, that you kind of learn over time. Um, but, you know, figuring out those limits can be difficult. But once you figure it out, you know, you just have to do your best to listen to your body. Um, and, you know, one day you know, it might be fine for you to go walk a mile. And another day, like if you need to take a nap instead, take a nap. Like it's OK. And how hard was it for you to once you recognized you had the limits, how hard was it for you to accept those limits and to start listening to your body? Yeah, I mean, so it's one thing to acknowledge them, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's another thing to uh, actually do it. <laughs> um, so I feel like it probably took me longer than it needed to uh, because I'm very stubborn and I want to be superwoman and I want to do everything. Uh, but yeah, you know, once you realize there's really only one of you and nothing, everything seems important until you're sick and, you know, you have to take care of you so you don't get sick. <laughs> That's the goal. Anyway, sometimes it can happen just because. But, you know, you just you have to do your best and do your due diligence, due, due diligence um, to take care of yourself. Yeah. Well, we went through quite a bit with your story quickly. <laughs> is, <laughs> is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you wanted to share about your journey with the audience? Um, I guess one other thing I'd like to touch on is after that 37 day hospital stay, finally came home, was doing better. All of my hair fell out. Did it? And yes. And it was coming out in giant clumps every time I would shower. It got so thin and brittle. And I, I mean, it looked crazy. <laughs> uh, so I went to my hairdresser and was like, is there anything that we can do? And she was like, I'm so sorry, but we're just going to have to start over. And so we buzzed it and um, 
It's been a process. I definitely took some getting used to. In the beginning, I wore a lot of hats <laughs> um, and got a wig, <laughs> but it's growing back out now. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy that it's, it came back in how it was. And, um, but that can happen with IBD and, uh, hair loss can definitely be from flares or from medication. Um, and, you know, kind of losing that identity, that part of yourself can be very difficult. Um, and especially as a woman, uh, and, yeah, I, but once, you know, I kind of came to terms with it and we started over, um, you know, I realized it's just hair, but I had never had hair shorter than my shoulders, like ever in my whole life. So buzzing it was a big leap. <laughs> wow. Now, did they, do they know why you lost your hair? Was it, do they think it was from the medications you were on or do they think it was from the IBD itself in your case? They thought that it was from the actual flare itself. And I also had lost a ton of weight and was like lacking nutrients and very malnourished. Um, and that can also uh, cause hair to fall out. Um, so they think it was kind of just a combination of those two things. Yeah. Just the body being so stressed that it's trying to keep you alive, literally. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have time to worry about growing hair or keeping hair. Right. It's pretty amazing what the body will do in times of crisis in order to protect itself the best that it can. And so that's, I, I didn't know that that would be a side effect of IBD. After everyone I've spoken yeah. to, you are really? the first one that said that wow. to me. Which, well, which is great in the sense that it's not, it's not great, but it is right, but. great for people <laughs> who are listening that might be having that same experience because... And that's the reason why I do this podcast is just to be able to share those stories where we feel like we're not alone. Like someone else, I guarantee if that happened to you, someone else out there has had that same experience. And to know that you're not alone doesn't make it great for anybody, but it just, I think it just, it's nice to know we're not alone in this yeah, situation. Absolutely. I, that's one of the reasons I share my story, um, you know, just to let people know that they're not alone, you know. We're we're all on this big blue marble together. We are. Well, your hair looks like it's gotten down to your shoulders now. Yeah, Is just that about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how what kind of advice would you give to someone who, whether it's hair or let's say weight gain from prednisone, just a change in our appearance? Because there's many changes that IBD can cause for us, whether it's through those things or there's skin, you know, extra intestinal manifestations. What kind of advice would you give to people who are facing a physical change from IBD and how to help get through that tough part to know that it's it's temporary, it's not a permanent change? Yeah, and you know, just that that it's it's not permanent. Um, it's normal for our bodies to change over time, and especially facing heavy medications or flares. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it is normal and it is going to change. When I take prednisone, I get terrible moon face and acne and it's, I mean, a necessary evil, but, um, yeah. And sometimes it can be hard to look in the mirror and see that it's so puffy and, you know, it can just be hard, but, 
I guarantee you that you notice it way more than anybody else. (laughs) Because, you know, looking at pictures of myself, even it's like, oh, I guess it didn't look that bad. (laughs) Um, You know, and it is temporary, just trying to do your best with accepting whatever the reality is at the time and knowing that it's going to change. You know, I think the saying is to uh, quiet yourself and the storm will pass. I like that. That's great advice. Now, is there anything else in your story that you were holding out on me and not telling? (laughs) Let's see. Uh, I think that was it. I just definitely (laughs) wanted to mention that because I kind of breezed over that part. (laughs) (laughs) You did. (laughs) So if people want to keep up with you, learn more about you, taste your recipes, try your recipes, where are all the places they can find and follow you online? Yeah. So um, Facebook and Instagram are both Chef with IBD. And then uh, my website is www.abigailmarietheschefwithibd.com. And then my email is that at Gmail. Um, So yeah, any of those ways are great to get in touch with me. You can also message me on Messenger or on Instagram as well. Perfect. I'll put all the links to your sites in the show notes so that people can find you easily. Awesome. Any last words as we wrap up today? Anything that I didn't ask or that you wanted to ask me as we get ready to close? Um, I guess the last thing that I'll touch on is, you know, everybody is different. And just because SCD is great for me, it doesn't mean that it's great for you. So finding what is best for you. And there are a ton of different nutritional therapy options out there for IBD. Um, And, you know, I think the best place to start is with a uh, registered dietitian. And if you can find one that is IBD specific or specializes in that, um, that's a really great place to start. Uh, And yeah, there are lots of different options out there. And it's really just finding what's best for your body. Um, That is great advice. Very well said. And if if people are looking for a couple of registered dietitians, I know I don't believe you are. I'm not. No, (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) But I have interviewed a few on the show. So if anyone is looking, dig through the the show archives. And I know I've got a couple in there. But And then if anyone has tried SCD, definitely go take a look at your recipes and see what's in there. Because I know when I first did it, like you, I thought the recipes were a little bit lacking and it's the same ones and it got kind of boring to go through the same recipes every day and you can only do the chicken soup so much so yeah (laughs) for sure that's an incredible resource that you are offering on your website to share what you have discovered and to share those recipes so thank you for doing that for making it available and for thank you for being on the show today and for sharing your story and just and being here and raising awareness thank you yeah absolutely thank you thanks for having me Thank you for listening. If you love these interviews and want to support the podcast, visit my website at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com where you can browse my featured products page to shop the companies I love and support. Make a donation using the Buy Me a Coffee link to send a little love or grab a copy of my book and IBD story, Crohn's Fitness Food and My Rocky Road to Health. If you have an IBD story that you want to share, send me an email at story at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com. And always remember, be strong, be grateful, and keep going.